Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing good. I'm certain that you are happy and glad this morning. You got an extra hour of sleep, and the Razorbacks did not lose, right? We are beginning this morning with a brand new series called Origins. My name is Kyle. I'm so glad that each and every one of you are here. We welcome you. It's just a joy to know you and to worship you. And with this idea of origins, we're asking this question, where, where did we come from? Where did our story begin? And I think that we all are very intrigued and interested in where we came from and where our story began. And some of the reasons why I'm pretty convinced that we are all very uh, interested in it is because I watch movies. I don't know if you ever watch movies, but normally the storyline is, where did I come from? Who's my family? Who's my father? You know that line, Luke, I am your father. Right? It's that epic moment, right, of realizing, oh, I came from him. And it's so telling to figure that out and to realize who they are. It's a natural thing for all of us to be drawn to this idea of where did we originate from and where did we come from. In fact, in 2017, to prove how interested we are, especially as Americans, one DNA ancestry research group spent over $100 million last year in advertisements to people like us so that we would then employ them to do research to tell us where we came from, over $100 million. So maybe you've done some research about your family and you found out, oh, this is my grandpa, my great-grandpa, my great-great-whatever. Maybe it goes back for you and there's part of your heritage you're really proud of. Like maybe you had an ancestor that fought in the Revolutionary War and you think that's really, really cool and it is really cool. I'd love to hear that story. And there's other parts of our story that we just don't really like so much, you know, the uncomely parts, right, the parts that we leave out. The parts that we kind of delete out of our history, if you will. Like somebody, hey, who did you come from or where did you come from? We just kind of leave that part out because we've all got people that went ahead of us that were related to, that passed down their DNA to us, that did some really stupid stuff, right? Some of you in the room are like, no, not me. You obviously haven't done much research on where you came from because I'm going to tell you, you start looking far enough back, it gets really, really ugly really, really fast. But we leave those parts out. But it's interesting as we think about it as to who we are related to, who our parents are going back generation after generation, and the impact they have on us, and how we interact with other people, our capacity to learn, our propensity maybe to things like addictions and or not those propensities. Some of those things are getting passed down from generation to generation. So in a world of bad news and bad things, I think it's very intriguing and interesting for us to notice and not miss that all of this story called the world as we know it didn't start out bad. It started out really, really good. And I think a lot of times when you bring up the story of our origin, Adam and Eve, which is where all of our lives intersect, they all are our original father and mother, that a lot of times as Christians, or maybe not even Christians, you think about the Genesis account as much as people know about it, and that apple, whether it was an apple or not, I don't know. But we immediately think about the fall, which we're going to talk about in this story, and we think about the bad, and we think about the sin, and we think about the disobedience. But today I really want us to notice how beautiful and how good it all was in the beginning as God intended. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 26 in just a moment, and we're picking up in the midst of the creation story. 
in the midst of the creation story. Now, there's a couple of things about the creation story that I want to go ahead and admit to you and share with you because we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about the whole creation story. We're really going to focus on man being created. But there's some things about the creation story that I just want to admit, they're too impossible for me to imagine. They're too impossible for me to imagine. And they're way too great, too wild, if you will, for me to be able to fathom. But one thing the creation story does for me, it paints the picture of a God who is big enough for me to deem worthy to place my faith in. I'm going to say that again. The creation story presents a God that is big enough that for me personally causes me to say, you know what, I want to place my faith in him. That's the kind of God that I want to know. That's the kind of God I want to believe in. That's the kind of God that I want to worship, the one who created everything. So in short, the creation story looks like God speaking and things coming into existence. I don't know if you've been able to speak and things come into existence or not. If you have, I'd love to hear those stories. I struggle to speak and get my kids to do what they, I tell them to do, much less me speak and things come into existence, right? And yet God speaks and everything that we know and everything that we see and everything we experience here in this realm, God created it. So the story of Adam and Eve, a lot of people want to dismiss it. A lot of people want to say it's just a fairy tale. A lot of people want to say, you know, just disregard it. It's silly. It's foolish. But let me tell you why we as Christians take the story of Adam and Eve so seriously. We take the story of Adam and Eve so seriously because Jesus took the story of Adam and Eve seriously. Jesus leans into it in his teachings, and he's telling us this is where we came from. And it's so important for us to know that. So look now at Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 26. And let's begin to take a look at what paradise looks like, at what this whole thing called creation originally looks like. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So let's pose this question for just a moment. Maybe you've read this before and you blew past it or you read it before and you got stuck on it or you read it right now and you're like, wait a minute, God and then us. Who's the us? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three are God. They are one and they are co-eternal and co-all-powerful. And they, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are involved in all of creation. And God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So this idea of being created in the image of God. What does that mean? I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that, but I want to give you a couple things that will help you maybe process that and think about that if you've never thought about that before. But before we um, really lean into the image part, I want us to think about this thing that he said we're supposed to reign over the earth. We're supposed to reign over the earth. Why did God put man in charge of the earth. Why did he say, I want you to rule and to reign over everything that you see? It is our responsibility, just as it was the first man's, to bring out the best in the creation that God has given us. 
to bring out the best. He also says that we were created in his image. And this is very important to note as we think about carrying out our role and our responsibility and our purpose in life. If we miss that we're created in his image, we will totally derail the idea and the plan of what God meant when he said for us to reign over this earth. We're all naturally power hungry. And if we take power and we misuse it and we abuse it, we actually destroy things rather than build them up. But if we realize that we're created in the image of God, that we like God have personality and we have morality and we have spirituality of which all three of those things don't belong to any other creature on this earth. Morality, spirituality, spirituality, um, and personality created in his image, we are created to represent God to the rest of the world. And so as I'm created in his image, and my job and responsibility is to represent him well to the rest of the world, when I rule and reign over anything, over anything, when you rule and reign over anything, we are doing it to show who God is, to represent him, to make him known. Look now in verse number 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now drop down to verse 29. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, and everything that has life. And that is what happened. Now, there are some sharp people in the room who just read that, and you realize what you just read. You realized that the people didn't eat the animals, and the animals didn't eat the other animals, and the animals didn't eat the people, but instead, they all, animals and people, ate plants only. Some of you are processing that right now, and you're like, wait a minute. We don't get to pull this little bitty thing called a trigger and hurl pieces of metal at other moving things and take them out? I thought you called this paradise, right? The hunters in the room right now are kind of struggling with this idea. Keep listening. Keep leaning in. All right, verse 4 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. By the way, the hunters keep asking me why I keep picking on them. It's because you're an easy target. All right, verse 4. Verse 4. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Uh, this may help you a little bit because um, chapter 1, chapter 2, if you just do a quick read of chapter 1, chapter 2, it can get a little confusing, like what are the timelines. It may help you to know that chapter 1, chapter 2 is not necessarily a chronological writing of the creation. You're going to see some overlap. You're going to see some going back in time a little bit. That helps a little bit. But I don't mind saying to you as you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, it gets a little mind-bending. But hopefully we'll get some clarity this morning. Verse 4. This is the account of the creations of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. You know what that means? No weeds, no thorns, no thistles. You grow your garden. What you want to grow there grows there. Ooh, doesn't that sound good, all right? That's what's happening in this original state of our world. It goes on to say, For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, 
springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. So you can tell how things were so radically different than they are now. I mean, we're wondering whether it's going to rain today. I mean, what did weathermen do back then? They didn't have jobs, right? Like it just, water came up from the ground, it says. It goes on. Verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. I guess you could say this is the first act of CPR in human history. He literally breathed life into him. Um, as we see the story go on, we see this is the first man. We see that this man's name eventually is Adam. Adam. All of us, no matter what our grandpa looked like or great-grandpa looked like, all of us go back to Adam. He is our original earthly father. So think about this for a moment. God breathed a breath of life, and the man became a living person. Anybody in the room remember when you were born? Like you can remember the day, like you can vividly, you know, anybody? If you've been on the other end of childbirth, didn't God do us a favor, like not allowing us as babies to remember what that looks like? It's a crazy thing that happens, right? None of us remember our birthday. We just don't. We don't remember what it's like to be on the inside and then pop out on the outside and that whole beautiful, messy process that it is. But Adam can remember God breathing life into him. I mean, he can, he can remember that first time he opened his eyes and God being near his face and the breath and the warmth and the smell, if you will, of God's breath. He comes alive, and he can remember this moment when he became a living person. Look now to verse number 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and this is what we know as the place where the first man, Adam, lived as the Garden of Eden. God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. I don't know about you, uh, one of the seasons I really enjoy is fall, right? I mean, right now the colors are kind of popping everywhere. And, and all of these trees that he got to see and all the seasons potentially that he got to see. And then it goes on to say, in the middle of the garden, he placed two trees, okay? The first one's this, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So all these other trees were trees like we look out on today, and there they were. But there were these two trees that God pointed out and had names for them. And one of them was the tree of life, and one of them is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And both of these are going to come back into our story. One of them is going to come back into our story in just a moment. Drop down now to verse number 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So once again, we're seeing the purpose and the responsibility of man to tend and to watch over it. It's how we're all wired. We're wired by God, created by God to create, to care for things, excuse me, to care for things. Verse 16, but the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely, freely eat of the true tree, excuse me, I'm going to start over. You may freely eat 
the fruit of every tree in the garden. Every tree. Verse 17, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. He had one no-no. Just one. He could eat of any tree. He could rule. He could reign. He could make choices and decisions on all kinds of things. And God says there's one rule for you. There is one no-no for you. There is one thing you cannot do because if you do it, you are sure to die. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good rules, listen to me, good rules have healthy purposes. If there's just rules for the sake of rules, then we've missed the point of everything. But good rules have healthy purposes. For instance, all the college football fans in the room, targeting foul. What's the purpose of that rule? To keep players what? Healthy. It's a good rule with a good purpose. It's kind of hard to call and figure out whether it's one or not, but it's a good rule with a good purpose. And God says, I'm giving you a good rule with a healthy purpose because if you break the rule, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And yet all of us struggle when our parents tell us, don't put your finger in the light socket. What is it about that? This just makes us go, I don't know if they're right or not. i got to find out for myself. Right? And maybe some of you were really creative and you thought, my finger doesn't fit in there so well, so let me get a fork or a knife and get that thing in there and see how this works. What is it about us that makes us doubt when somebody says, hey, if you do that, you'll die? Well, I don't know if they're right or they're not. Well, when your parents tell you, you definitely should listen. If your good friends tell you, you definitely should listen. If some Yahoo tells you, I don't know if you should listen or not. But if God tells you, if you do this, you will die, you should pay attention to him. Now, God was not some idea for Adam, and he didn't know if he was real or not. Maybe some of you are in that place right now. You're like, I don't even know if I think God's real. Like, I know all you guys do, and I'm here checking this thing out, and I want to believe, but, like, this story's kind of far-fetched, and I don't know it. But for Adam... The first being he met was the one who breathed life into his nostrils. The very one that he knows brought him to life has said, what will kill you is eating of this tree. So you would think that Adam would take this incredibly seriously. So God gives man one rule, one rule. Look now to verse number 18. Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Can you imagine this scene? All the animals lining up. For Adam to name them. I don't know if I'm God, I think I would have wanted that privilege. I think I would have said, you know what, I created them, I name them. Instead, God says, you know what, I'm going to defer to my prized creation, Adam, the first man. You get to name them all. So they line up. First one comes up and Adam says something like, you know, I see that one right there. I really like them. Let's call that one a cat. C-A-T, cat. And, you know, he had to figure this thing out and God kind of leaned in and said, eh. 
Adam's like, what's wrong with that? And God's like, let's try it. And Adam has an epiphany. He says, no, it's dog, D-O-G, dog. Let's go with dog, right? And God's like, okay, you're catching on. You're catching on, okay? And so they keep going through the line, and they keep naming these animals. Can you imagine seeing animals for the first time, for, for those of us, you know, growing up, you know, you remember when you were growing up and, and you got to go to the zoo and you got to see this one and you got to see that one and you got to see a picture. Maybe you got to go to a foreign country at some point when you're young and wow and cool. And there's Adam, a grown man, seeing all of these animals and they're lined up for him to name. I'll be honest with you, if I'm the one, if I'm Adam and I'm naming all those animals, they would have had names like, wow, that's weird. And what's that? Those are the kind of names I would have given. And if you're wondering why I'm naming that, let's show you a few animals on the screen. How about that one? Do you know what that is? That's a platypus. That is a weird, weird animal. He's got a bill like a duck. He's got a tail like a beaver. He's got whatever floppers that are, you know, kind of like a turtle. Um, and he's got, he's, got all this stuff. he's got this weird, like, barb that sticks out of his front Arms that can, like, poke you and kill you with, like, poison. Weird. Platypus. And so Adam's like, platypus. All right, next. And if you think that's weird, let's get a better view of this one. Let's look. Yeah. You get to name that guy. You get to name that guy. That's an anteater, by the way. And then the next... Um, he named this next one on the screen. Is it coming? There we go. Michelangelo, Dantello, Raphael, Leonardo. Adam named them. All right? He named them. And then our next screen, just to give you a collage. These beautiful animals that lined up and name after name, Adam got to give to them. Now, remember, remember this part of the story because next week it's going to be really neat and powerful to remember that Adam named named all of the animals, okay? So don't forget that. It's a very important and incredibly deep part of the story. Adam naming the animals. So I want to pause for just a moment as we think about what our parents had. If you're taking notes, this is the part I want you to start writing down. Our parents had freedom. Your first earthly father, Adam, that you came from and that I came from and your neighbor came from and your friend came from and the person sitting in front of you came from and the person sitting behind you came from, the person on the other side of the planet who has a different maybe skin color, color than you do, uh, speaks a different language than you do, they all came from this same father and his name's Adam and our parents had freedom. Freedom, what a beautiful thing to have and to enjoy. We value that greatly as Americans, don't we? Freedom. And yet they had the ultimate, ultimate freedom there in the original Garden of Eden. Let me give you some things they had freedom to do, okay? The first thing that our parents had freedom to do is they had freedom to rule, okay? They had freedom to rule. And so God told him that one of your jobs is to reign. One of your jobs is to Rule. This is their privilege and their responsibility of using their God-given abilities and authority to bring about the best in creation. Okay, Giving their God-given authority to bring about the best in creation. Another thing that our parents had in freedom was the freedom to choose. We see that in 
uh, Adam having the honor and the privilege of picking the names of the animals. And so that's very important because Adam was not a robot. He was not a robot. He didn't do everything God wired him up to do. God created him and then gave him choice, which is so important to see as we see the one rule. And the one rule is to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which involves choice. God says you have a choice here. God says, I want you to choose me. I want you to choose me forever. But to choose me, you have to have the opportunity to disobey me. And so I'm giving you the opportunity to say yes to me over and over again. But don't eat of that tree because it will surely, surely kill you. And so our parents had the freedom to choose. And think about this. As they had the freedom to choose, and there's that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the only simple way I know to paint that picture for you is that everything was right and good at that time. Long as they didn't touch that tree, eat that tree, eat of that tree, I should say, long as they didn't eat of that tree, everything was right and everything was good. Think about it for just a second. CNN would have never been in existence. That may get a big amen. It never been in existence if they simply would have made the choice to keep going after God and not choosing the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There would have been nothing bad to report. There would have been no evil to herald. And there they were with this freedom to choose in this perfect world. The other thing they had the freedom to do, they had the freedom to walk and talk with God. Now imagine for just a moment, okay? Imagine for just a moment that you get the chance to walk and talk with God. Imagine for just a moment that you're the first man. You felt the breath of God bring you to life. That's your first memory. You got to name all of the animals. You get to rule and reign over all of it. You get to bring the best out of it. And then you get to walk and talk with the one who created you every single day. As we continue on the story, we see that part of God's rhythm was to get up early in the morning with Adam and Eve and walk with them and talk with them. I wonder what those conversations look like. What would you have asked God if you were the first man walking and talking with him every single day? I think for me, I'd be like, hey, God, can you, can you tell me again about day two? I really want to hear about day two again. Or day three. Man, go day three. No, yeah, we did day two. Let's go day three today. Tell me how the dry ground appeared. Can you tell me that story again, God? Can you imagine the creator sitting you down telling you, how the dry ground appeared in creation. Wow, Adam, all of this access. If I'm Adam, maybe I say, hey, God, how old are you? Y'all aren't really reacting this morning. I don't know if I'm not getting there or if I'm too serious or if I'm not funny enough or if y'all are like, what are we talking about this morning? But anyway, I thought that was kind of a funny question to ask God, and all of you looked at me like, Maybe because you know he's eternal and he has no beginning, right? But again, if, if I'm Adam, I'm like, how long have you been around? Like, what were you doing before all this was here, right? Aren't you asking God all those questions? Aren't these the kind of questions you're going to ask God one day if you get to see him, right? Like, what's the deal here? How did this work and how did that work and where did this come from and where did that come from? I want to know this stuff. I want to know this stuff. Do you think this is going to be a funny one? Did you think... That Adam said to God, hey, God, when there's more people, do you think they'll wonder why I don't have a belly button? Some of you think I just answered that age-old question. I don't know if he had a belly button or not. I don't know. Walk, talk with God. 
Are you with me? I don't know. All right, verse 20. So the Lord God, uh, excuse me, verse 20. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Um, fellas in the room, you remember, you remember seeing your wife for the first time? Anybody? This is when you kind of give me a uh-huh or uh-uh or what are you talking about or something. Come on. Yeah, all right. Thank you in the back. Thank you right back there. Good man. He discerned some serious points back there. They've been married like, I don't know, like I don't know how long they've been married back there. But anyway, they remember. They remember. Let's go again. Any of you fellas in the room remember seeing your wife for the first time? Okay. Oh, there we go. You're catching on. We men are slow, aren't we? It's a good moment for you to take advantage of her and say, Absolutely. I can remember the first time I ever laid eyes on Terry, and I'll tell you a little story here because it just is vivid in my memory, and uh, it's, it's a pretty good story. Anyway, so there we were at the casino, and no, I'm just kidding. That's not where we were. <laughs> Maybe that's where you were, and that's all right, whatever. Anyway, I was at church. I was at church. That sounded really spiritual, didn't it? Because that's where it was. Anyway. I was at church, and um, I was doing what I do out here most every Sunday, seeing people come in. You know, it's a wave of people, and you're seeing people you know, and you're trying to remember names, and you know, how you doing, and trying to remember what's going on in people's worlds, which is challenging, and you're trying, and you want to, you want to connect. And you're definitely noticing people that are there for the first time, because, like, uh, we care very much so here. And when I was pastoring where I was in West Memphis, we just cared about people that were coming through the door for the first time, because we didn't want your first time to be your last time, right? We wanted your first time to be one of many. And so uh, this... Uh, group comes in of three people. It's a, a man and two women. And it's Mark, and it's Ashley, and it's Terry. And I meet them really quick. Well, Mark and Ashley are married, and uh, Terry's kind of the, the, the friend of the married couple, if you will. It's kind of the third wheel, I guess, you know, just a little bit. Not in a bad way, but she was really good friends with them. Well, there's more details to the story, but the way this worked out is they sit down kind of over in this area over here. This is in West Memphis. And um, by the way, if you can love living in West Memphis, you can love living anywhere. Lived there for 11 years. Anyway, and they're kind of sitting over here. And I'm going to forget that, like, for whatever reason, Mark was sitting in the middle of the two of them. And I honestly couldn't remember which one was his wife. So it kind of caused a problem. Well, I'm wondering this for a bunch of reasons. One, as a pastor, I'm just trying to connect with people remember who they are, right? And as a man, I'm trying to remember which one wasn't married because I'm not married. So, anyway. We figured it out. <laughs> it's the right one. <laughs> Mark and Ashley are still happily married, by the way. <laughs> Verse 23. Maybe some of you in your life, when you met the one, this was your exclamation. Here's what Adam said when he saw this woman for the very first time. At last! At last. Now, as momentous as the occasion was when you met your spouse for the first time, that should be marked in your memory, or if you're looking forward to that one that God's got for you out there and you're waiting to say, at last, and you're going to remember it for the rest of your life, 
this wasn't just the one that God had for Adam. It was the only one he had ever seen. I mean, this is the first human being that he had ever seen. And she was a woman. I don't know if there's more edited out from this exclamation or not, not in a bad way or a crude way, but I'm just saying, like, I can imagine him just being blown away. And he exclaims at last. Verse uh, 20, where are we at? 23, goes on to say, This one, talking about the woman, is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Verse 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. I could stop right there, preach a whole series of sermons on that verse and that biblical truth and that beautiful thing that's being proclaimed as we see the first marriage, a beautiful holy union between a man and a woman as God designed it. This is how the Creator designed it. Okay, Look now. Verse 24, Uh, excuse me, verse 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked. And I don't know why that word didn't come up there. We didn't delete it. I think maybe it just got cut off before it was supposed to. But ultimately the word naked is in there. We were going to break that verse up and maybe we broke it up too soon. Maybe we were afraid the word naked would offend you. I don't know. But anyway, they were both naked. Some of you deer hunters earlier that thought we can't hunt animals, I'm out, now are kind of leaning back in just a little bit, right? Wait a minute. They were both naked. Just saying. Talking about God's creation here. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Now, here's something to think about as we think about being naked or naked or however you say it. I say naked. We all know what it feels like to be naked. And we'll all quickly admit there are good times to be naked. And there are bad times to be naked. Right? Agreed? But we all know what that, we all know what that feels like. We, we get that. But it's the last part of this verse that we don't maybe know what it feels like. That is so huge. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. But they felt no shame. Shame. So as we think about this incredible feeling and reality of not having any shame, think again about our parents and the freedom that they had. Again, our parents had freedom. And just to revisit these and then to build on this because it's so huge. Our our parents had the freedom to choose. Listen to me, people. God is so kind and so good that even though everything has gone sideways, he still gives us, through giving us his son Jesus, the opportunity to choose today. You can choose God and relationship with him, or you can reject God and relationship with him. Our parents had that freedom, and we have that freedom because of Jesus today. We have the freedom to choose. Our parents had the freedom to rule. Uh, Today, it looks a little bit different, but listen, your responsibility is the same as our parents were. You are supposed to use your talents and your abilities and your God-given authority to bring about the best in creation, and in so doing, reveal to others God because you were born in his image. 
Our parents had the freedom to walk and to talk with God. What an incredible privilege. There's some people in this room that would tell you they walk and talk with God every single morning. They do. They do because of Jesus. But there are a couple things that weren't there in the garden. And some people would say that as awesome as the things are that are in the garden or are in paradise or are in heaven, it's just as cool to think about some of the things that are not there. And two of the things that are not there is they were free from shame and they were free from guilt. Completely free from shame. Now, there are some people in our lives who are shameless, but that is completely different. Really good song, right? I mean, it worked. But being shameless and not having any shame are two totally different things. Huge difference. Freedom from guilt? Wow. Freedom from guilt? Can you imagine? No secrets. No skeletons in the closet. And let's just get real for just a moment. Even the best people in this room have skeletons in their closet. We just do. There are things that we have done that we hope nobody ever finds out about. Nobody ever knows. Nobody ever gets wind of. Can you imagine? No secrets. No skeletons in the closet. Nothing that we're afraid that somebody else will find out. And there they were, free of shame. Felt no shame. Total innocence. Total integrity. Peace. Harmony. Beauty. Creation as it was intended to be. So these big questions, where, where did we come from? Well, we came, as we're reading the story, we realized we came from God, our Heavenly Father. And we also realized that we came from Adam, our earthly father. And both of those truths impact us in a massive, massive way. The incredible thing about God, our heavenly father, realizes that we have shame today, that we have regret today, that we have guilt today, that we have a separation between us and him that cannot be brought back together unless he does something. And so I am fast-forwarding the story, but don't miss this. God sends his one and only son named Jesus to die in my place and to die in your place. Why? To take away our shame and our guilt. To forgive us to have all of the skeletons and all of the secrets and all of the sins revealed and for him to declare forgiven. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. What an incredible, incredible word of truth we have from Scripture. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Wow. That is the truth of the word of God, and I want it to flood over your soul. If you are in Christ Jesus, it is true for you, and you may not even realize it's true. It needs to flood over you. God is bringing back through Jesus this incredible opportunity to feel no shame. Because you haven't done anything wrong? No. Because you're innocent? No. Because Jesus wipes it all clean. He doesn't condemn you anymore. He doesn't hold shame and guilt over you anymore. Instead, he brings forgiveness and righteousness through Jesus Christ. So again, we came from our heavenly father, God. We came from our earthly father, Adam. Next week, we're going to talk very, very pointedly about the impact of our earthly father, 
decisions that he and they, Adam and Eve, first man, first woman made, that have impact on us to this day. But these freedoms that they enjoyed, that's what God is busy to restore in our lives. This beautiful picture of paradise lost, if you will, is also a beautiful picture of what is to come in heaven. No more crying, no more pain, no more tears, no more shame, no more guilt, no more separation from God. This is what he has for us in Jesus Christ. In just a moment, um, we're going to wrap up our time together here today. Our band's going to get ready to come forward, and and they're going to lead us in a song in just a moment. So they're going to begin to move, and we're going to pray in just a few moments. And maybe as you're hearing the story about God, where you came from, Adam and where you came from, even without getting to the part two of the story where everything gets all messed up and it does big time, you're in a place in your life right now where you feel the shame and you feel the guilt and it is so real for you right now to the point that you almost didn't come today. You almost didn't show up in this place because you thought that was pushing the limit too far. Maybe for you, everybody knows your stuff right now. And you showing up here today was a mighty, mighty decision, bold decision for you today. Listen, God sees all of that and more, and he loves you. He wants you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make you right with him because of his son, Jesus. And you can believe in him today and forever be changed.